I think the next challenge is 100% going to be labor. So that's one of the reasons why I'm part of a technology company, because there's a few things at play. We've soft costs far away the hard costs in solar. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. That's something I'm pretty passionate about. One of the ways to reduce soft costs is just like I said, through tech to reduce manual entry, to reduce cycle times, to increase pull through or have a lower cancel rate. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I wanted to personally invite you to our Summer Solstice networking event that's happening on the day of the Summer Solstice, which is Wednesday, June 21st, from 6 to 10 p.m. at Hudson Hall, which is in Jersey City, New Jersey, which is very close to Manhattan. We've been doing this event for several years now. It's a great opportunity to network with other people in the renewable energy field. And we'll also have some of our guests that we've interviewed in the past. It's $35 to attend, and we're raising money for two different charities. One is the Boys and Girls Club, and the other is Let's Share the Sun Foundation, which we've done two podcast interviews about. If you're interested in potentially sponsoring the event, please email us at info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. The Eventbrite for this event will be on the notes of the podcast. We look forward to seeing all of you there. It'll be here before you know it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. You can learn more about us on www.renewenergy.com. That's R-E-N-E-U energy.com. In this episode of the podcast, I have Nate Giovanelli. He's been hosting several episodes with me. This podcast was actually recorded in the beginning of December, and it's Nate's three predictions of what he sees happening in the solar industry in 2023 that still apply today. We talk about the New York Giants. That was a game versus the Commanders that ended up being a tie. Nate and I tend to go to Giants games or other activities when we tape the podcast and we like to tape the podcast in person just because it gives better flow and rapport. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast. Let's get into it. Today's podcast is sponsored by Enerflow, your solar platform. Residential solar installers, EPCs, and sales organizations rely on multiple tools from lead through install. Enerflow Intelligent connects them all with proprietary platform features in one cohesive sales and install platform. Streamline your sales and install process on one platform with one login and one connected flow from lead to PTO. Learn more at enterflow.com. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. The podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. I'm excited to have my co-host, Nate Giovanelli. He's the head of business development at Enerflow and also the owner of Giovanelli LLC. Nate, welcome to the podcast. It's been a long time since our last time we recorded. We just recorded an episode before. We're here in the studio in Jersey City, New Jersey. We appreciate 
all our listeners who we call Mavericks, Solar Mavericks, for listening. And actually, this is an interesting one. We're right now in December, and Nate's actually going to talk about his five predictions or a certain amount of predictions that he has in the new year. And it's a shorter version podcast. But I think when we get to the month of December, January, everyone's thinking about like in the industry, at least like what trends are important. And it's interesting because I've written these articles on LinkedIn, and it's amazing how popular like say the top five trends of 2023 in solar, how many views it get? Because December and January, everyone's kind of focused on that. Like I know for my business, like I'm trying to slow things down and think more strategically about the business and just not be in the business. So Nate, it would be great to like get your perspective. If you haven't listened to his podcast, check out the Limitless podcast. You can find it on Spotify, YouTube, or on Instagram. And I'm really interested to hear 22 was going to have more solar deployed than 21. And uh, I said it would, and Benoit and a lot of other people actually, after the fact, said it wouldn't. And the, the bet was that the loser had to buy lunch. So we have to look that up so we can figure it out and come back in in January. Yeah, well, technically, I think we'll only get that information at the end of the January, beginning of February. And then technically, it was for Robin because we filmed those episodes in the Midway Point, which is Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, because Nate lives in Harrisburg, the home of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which Nate educated me and realized he was from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. But yeah, it's interesting because we've actually had several bets so far, like on whether the ITC was going to go to 30% during President Trump's administration. Now, obviously with the IRA, we didn't make a prediction on this, but you know, it's a 30% investment tax credit. So I'm curious to hear your predictions. And we, by the way, haven't talked about what his predictions are. So we'll see if I agree or disagree. And I said that yeah. the ITC, it actually, last time we had that conversation, yeah. we're about to go to Giants game, go Giants. But last time we were on our way to the, to Giants, the Giants game, we're having to be that I don't agree with you. And now we go podcast, it was, will the ITC get extended to 30%. And I said it wouldn't. You said it wouldn't. And technically, I think I won that one because in hindsight, it did get incentive. You but, added the under from. I don't yeah. remember specifically that distinction. <laughs> so that's the way I was perspective. <laughs> that's the way I was thinking. But maybe we're on different pages, but you're right. Like if you looked on the long term of that bet. Yeah. And while most solar experts thought that solar would decline in 22. I know I posted something in March that got your attention because yeah. the first quarter was pretty strong. Oh, it was pretty strong for sure. Yeah. And really, I think what you have is, again, because the residential market, and that's usually the lens I look at things through now predominantly, it is able to weather some of these storms and whether it was the panel pricing going up and supply chain a lot better than the utility scale, right? Which I think was your perspective is like utility is going to be way. Yeah, for sure. That's a different perspective. Resi to overcome that, which is probably ultimately where things shook out. And I should have looked it up because I didn't. Last time I saw numbers were midpoint in the year. But still, I know there was another article I saw in November where all of renewables, they produced more energy in the US than coal for a few months. And there was in March, there was a month where all new capacity that was brought online was renewable. Yeah, it's just no oil and gas or coal. So a lot of positive momentum either way, no matter who won. But so we talked on the last podcast that we just recorded about my 
time doing the industry pulse at RE Plus in Anaheim, which is one of the largest renewable conferences in the world. By the way, how many people were at that conference? That was amazing. So Sia told me it was like 26,000. But if you think about how many people didn't register and just came to the conference, I think it had to be over 30,000 because I've been to Anaheim several times. I couldn't believe how crowded it was, like not just in the convention center, but all around that convention center. It had to be easily over 30,000 people, which is pretty amazing, yeah. you know, for the industry. I remember going to these conferences, but it was like 8,000, 7,000, so like 10 years ago. So it's amazing to see the growth in the industry. And going back to your point, you were a host, right, for Podcast Lounge, right? Yeah, I got to interview and end up being like 14 people, I think, from all areas of over three days, all experts in solar in their own right. And the common theme that emerged was, obviously, I work with Enterflow as one of my companies, and we're a software for residential solar. So just high level, you could think of it like um, debt consolidation, we're tech consolidation, we're taking all these disjointed tools that sales orgs and EPCs use or installers use, and we're making their process stream very streamlined, very seamless, and actually have some cool third-party data that I'm going to release here at some point that shows that we took a large sample size of Enterflow customers and we looked at their cycle time. So out contract signed to solar on the home. What was that average duration relative to their peers in the same zip codes? Because yeah. it's different in their age, yeah? Sure. And then after they implemented Enterflow, what was that timeline? And what we found- Oh, interesting. 60% reduction in cycle times with volumes more than double. By the way, this is like asking me to ask other questions. So obviously I've interviewed Spencer, yeah. who's the co-founder of Enterflow. It was amazing to hear how many installers that signed to the platform two years ago, right? Did you guys have the same new sort of installer sign up for the platform through RE Plus or- yeah we, yeah, we had a lot of traction at over 160 conversations at the booth yeah. is, is our number. Obviously, there's a lot of buzz, which is leading into my prediction. So the theme that was very apparent to me throughout RE Plus was this idea that labor is going to be the next obstacle to growth. So back in COVID, when the height of COVID, you know, was supply chain and being able to get panels, which is driving up costs. And there's obviously the tariffs and the anti-circumvention and all of that. So that was obviously one of the reasons that I would assume that you thought the market wouldn't be up this year yes. for the first time in a while. And that makes good sense. I think the next challenge is 100% going to be labor. So that's one of the reasons why I'm part of a technology company, because there's a few things at play. We've talked many times on the show, the soft costs far away sure. the hard costs in solar. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. That's something I'm pretty passionate about. And one of the ways to reduce soft costs is just like I said, through tech to reduce manual entry, to reduce cycle times, to increase pull through or have a lower cancel rate. All that's invaluable, right? And I think that's a lot of the reason why Airflow has had this explosive growth. And now that we can quantify that with actual data, it rationalizes the investment for a CFO or a CEO, makes it very easy for them, right? If I sure. reduce my cycle time by 60% and have my volume double still, well then, yeah, who wouldn't you pay anything I ask? Yeah, definitely. But again, as an industry, and as of December, 2021, the whole solar industry supported 255,000 workers. So that's from IRET, so very reliable source. They do the solar job census. 130,000 or 51% of those workers 
we're in residential solar. Obviously, installer is the largest segment of that. But after the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act recently by this current administration, the residential sector is expected to add 340,000 jobs. So that's more than the whole industry supports now. It's more than double what the residential industry, and that's in five years. Yeah, That's a 261% growth rate, and that number comes from Solar Reviews data survey. Now, at the same time, in 2021, in the same IFX yeah. survey, 89% of firms said they had difficulty finding applicants. And I think that's why you see this crew leaves this company and they go to this company. Yeah. And they don't change their skills or their service, but now they make an extra dollar an hour more and then they leave that one for an hour more. And if you look at the data, electricians make considerably more in solar than any other industry. And it's because we're on this labor cycle. Yeah. So if 89% of firms are already having trouble finding labor and just the residential industry is going to go from 130,000 to 470,000 jobs, as the survey indicates, or even anywhere in that order of magnitude, the question we need to ask ourselves is, where are these people going to come from? And what other industries have transferable skill sets that would be able to attract the next generation of solar employees? Because I think this is, you know, I don't want to use the word crisis, but <laughs> this is the next major headwind to massive solar growth. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I think that's an issue that we've had in the industry. It's not just installers, electricians. It's the whole sort of solar, like especially solar developers and sales to find people, especially when you talk about commercial, industrial, and utility scale development, someone who has that expertise. I tend to now focus on commercial, industrial, and utility, not as much as residential when I was at Solar City Tesla. But it's just amazing how hard it is to find good people and then how expensive they are and what they're asking for, like the person of permitting or basic sort of what you would consider back office functions, just because they have that expertise, they're able to command a lot because there's a supply shortage. But it's interesting because for me, like we're trying to figure out ways of innovating while we take someone who might have an energy background, but not a solar background, might not get paid as much, maybe younger and we're able to get through that. Obviously, outsourcing, we are talking about before AI as well. We're starting to see solutions where you don't need as much many people because it could be done. I was actually on something where they created like AI blogs for you for content. So it's interesting how technology is advancing as well. For young people, it's a great thing because this is going to be an issue for a long time. And I think that's more job security. This is the beginning of a very long sort of cycle into renewable energy and sustainability. So I agree with you and your first prediction. And again, that's why I work for, I think a lot of, not all of it, certainly, but a lot of this can be solved through tech and through not having eight permit people that are just filling out, just regurgitating, I'm not saying that's all they do, but <laughs> not having back office people yeah. that just are copying information or correcting things because it wasn't correct on the contracts don't match who's on title. Like that's a very common one. There's these small things that we can solve through tech to make it just very simple and seamless that will require less of those workers. Now, I still think you're going to need the skilled labor is just a challenge because in this country, yeah. a, lot, a lot less people go into skilled labor. I mean, I think that's just a fact. Fair, yeah. So it's going to be harder and harder to fill some of those installer roles. Well, that's a good first one for sure. And you don't have to have five. Yeah. I think three is actually good, right? Today's podcast is sponsored by Interflow. 
your solar platform, more than just a software platform, Enterflow's experienced platform consultants dig deep into your company's current processes to identify exactly how Enterflow can help you streamline. Enterflow brings order to solar chaos by helping companies consolidate their technology and reduce soft costs. By connecting the tools that residential solar installers, EPCs, and sale orgs already know and love with proprietary platform features, Enterflow truly becomes your solar platform, purpose-built and configured to meet the unique needs of your business. Decrease time to close, project duration and soft growth costs. Increase solar pull-through and the number of projects complete. Customer satisfaction and your profitability. Learn more at enterflow.com. What are the three biggest trends you see in 2023 and ongoing than five? Because I think three is more impactful. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll see with battery adoption. I talked on the last podcast. I think that for residential solar, there'll be a trend back toward leases and PTAs in this market. So I think that'll be a trend due to rising interest rates and a variety of factors. We talked about that one in the last one. I would say a longer term, more interesting prediction, and I probably talked about this on here a couple of times, is... I think, you know, we're getting close to what, 4% penetration residential solar and to cross that chasm, if you will, into the early majority. And it's a really hard place to get. I think we have to meet consumers where they're at. And that means selling direct to consumer. You buy your car online, you can buy your online. So do I think that's going to happen in the next year? No. I mean, you're seeing it more and more. But this doesn't have to be a 2023. It's ongoing. But that's a great point, by the way. You know, like, think about it. That also tells you what the potential is, right? For only 4%, can you imagine what the opportunities of 10, 20 years and when we're able to sell directly to the consumer and the customer through like an online platform? That's when basically getting across that gap, as they say, is the point where technology is adopted by the general public. So it's just not like the early adopters, the first movers, even the people that would pay the more for for it. And we all know that there's a savings associated with it. So I think once you get across that gap, the definition is the technology becomes unstoppable. In other words, there's going to be mass adoption. And I don't know how you get there in this traditional market of people knocking on your door or calling because yeah. the new generation, and I've said this on the last call, like the biggest obstacle to solve <laughs> come on, over, yeah. and they're not going to answer the door yeah, like, It's weird to me that people knock on the door. Before when I was a kid, people would knock on the door all the time. Now if someone knocks on the door, I'm kind of like, who's this person? Yeah. yeah. Or it's a package. Well, normally it's a package for sure. When, well, why do you need it in person? Now with Zoom, the technology, sure. video conferencing. Again, I've talked about this so many times. It's probably uninteresting at this point, but you guys find it interesting. Selling solar, yeah. they start buying solar. So I think one of the trends in that light is, and I picked this up, I'm going to give him credit. I think, has he been on Jason Steinberg, the CEO of uh, Scanfly? He's a good interview. You should talk to him. But he, Scanfly is a drone-based software. And he said something to me in Anaheim when I would use one of the experts I was interviewing. Oh, yeah. I've interviewed the company, but not him. He's fantastic. Really well-spoken. And one of the things he told me, it's kind of stuck with me. It's something I've been thinking about is 
He thinks that the industry is moving from a sales-based approach relationship to quality-based. Yeah. And I agree. Like when you think about some of the tools out there, again, why I work for or with Airflow, why I'm joining their executive team is because I see the need and it's solving a real need. And some of the tools that we use for this industry are very archaic. And to have that accuracy down to an inch foot, whether it's through a drone or low-flying aircraft, sure. like Eagle View's doing, yeah. to automate that more, to get CAD drawing. I mean, there's so many ways. You could all it out, right? Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Just to get surveys. I think that's going to go a long way. But if you look at what really kills that customer acquisition cost outside of like commissions, I think is the turnover of having high cancellations. So the companies that have lower cancellations have higher customer satisfaction and higher reviews. They're better, generally speaking, Quality. Quality. So I think you're going to see as people start shopping, they start buying solar instead of being sold solar. When you're looking for it, quality is going to really matter. And since he told me that, it really stuck with me and it was something that I've been thinking a lot about and I agree with. I think that as an industry, we got to move into a quality-based sale. We're already seeing that to some extent. And as I said, as people start buying solar online, start shopping for it, yeah. doing their own research. Which now people are doing, you know, like when I talk to customers, they've already done their research using Google, not saying that it's correct, but now meetings are a lot more educated than I would say even three or four years ago, because people really want to understand it and get into the weeds. So I think yeah. the Giants are going to win today. <laughs> First, the Washington Commanders, this is a must win. They and I usually annually go to a Giants game, but I think Solar Maverick podcast is about entrepreneurship not just about solar. My company, Renew Energy, I started 10 years ago. One thing that I found very important, especially after COVID, was everything's about the relationship and everything is done through relationships. And people want to get to know you just as a person, whether they can know, like, and trust you. So I think like for me, at least, like having giant season tickets, I take a lot of clients to it and they love it. And it's a great way in a non-solar networking event to kind of spend time with Potential customers or customers, it's really a great way, no matter how much advanced technology is, I feel like people need to be in person, especially on the sales side. And I think it makes a huge difference. I wanted to get your perspective. Oh, I totally agree. I think something that one of our co-founders always says over at Interflow, it's like, I think I'm going to butcher it, but some to the effect, like the worst decisions are the ones made in the boardroom. You need to be out with the call for sure. Standing their needs. We're firm believers in that. In fact, like as we're looking to build out some like backend project management tools that are going to be just blow the doors off of anything else that exists. We had an idea of what we wanted to do, but we brought in our customers. Imagine yeah. that. Seriously. Before we go build this, you guys tell us yeah. what is the most important thing? What do we need this to do? What adds value to your business? Yeah. Now we know, A, they're more bought in because yes. it was a lot of their ideas, but we came up with things through that discovery that we would have otherwise missed. Yeah. And that's so important. And we didn't do it on Zoom. We could have yeah, easy order. Oh, for sure. But having them come in and talk about best practices and companies that have 95% pull through, which is unheard of yeah. residential stores, and cancel rate. Yeah. I mean, having them in a room, like, what are your best practices? Yeah. Being able to share that elevates the whole industry. And there's so much opportunity. I think this is another thing. You know, most people have, I would say like solar and just in life in general, if you have a growth mindset, it'll help you a lot more in life than a scarcity mindset. Unfortunately, most people have a scarcity that there's a limit sort of to what, but there's so much opportunity for everyone, right? That sharing ideas, even if it could be competitors, 
being transparent, it'll help you in the long run exponentially more. I love that. I totally agree. In fact, I was telling you about, I was trying to cut up one of the snippets after I interviewed the 14 people at RE+. Nico had me on for the last segment of the entire conference, and he asked me like one of my keys to yeah. success. I don't remember exactly what the question was, but somehow I wanted to take a snippet of, and I actually did one of my podcasts on it. It's a Tony Robbins quote, I think was, was the one I used. Nate's uh, the when, Limitless podcast, by the way. When you're grateful, fear disappears. And oh, for fear, sure. I don't consider anyone a competitor. If, if there's something that oh, can be better, that's a great point. You, and if there's something yeah. better, there's an opportunity for us to work yeah. together. Even if we are competing in the same space, there's so much opportunity in this market for everyone that I think we can all work together. And this came about because when I got my start in solar, I got it by talking to Sun Edison, who was a direct competitor, but they didn't want small projects that weren't credit rated, like nonprofits, churches. That's how I got my start in solar, taking the projects from the biggest solar company in the world at the time yeah. that didn't have it. Why aren't you guys taking these? I'll take them. We've learned later that they are challenging, but ultimately if I would not have taken that step, I would have never gotten the Amazon projects. This is when Nate was working with IGS Solar. IGS, if you don't know, is a, one of the largest privately owned energy suppliers. And they basically started their solar group, which first started commercial industrial and then moved to residential. Yeah, me and a few other people started the commercial group. And then I went on and, and spun that off into the residential. But we got our start really through these nonprofits and working with quote unquote, our competition that other people would have perceived as, as competition. So I just don't think anyone's a competitor. Actually, that's one of the things that really yeah. drew me to Enterflow is we're a true platform. So we integrate with everyone. We don't look, we, there's tons of product suites out there that do some pieces of what we do, but we don't see them as a competitor. If you want to integrate with them, great. You want to integrate with everyone and be that underlying source that is the hub and spoke model. And we want to be that hub to house all your data. So you have one user, one login. And it's a concept that, again, is born from, we don't really have any better. Yeah. So that actually goes into another concept that, you know, I get this question all the time. Who are your competitors? What are you doing about your competition? And I don't look at it as competition. I look at it as like, what can I be better as myself and our company so that we could get more business, not what someone else is doing. At the end of the day, people will pay for value. How can we get better to our clients and add the value and the money will come? So like, I'm not really actively thinking about competitors in this space. I'm focusing on what we could do better as a company. And I don't want to copy what they do because you're competing with yourself to make yourself better every single day, not like what the competition's doing, because then that distracts you from the goal that you want to get to, you know? I agree. I mean, I do think there's also positives to having competitors, right? Could you imagine how stagnant the industry would be if there weren't people pushing the boundaries of technology? Yeah. Like nothing would ever change. We wouldn't be past the wheel. People. Oh, for sure. And actually funded companies to be competitors so that they could better their own company because they needed that push. Oh, like people sure. needed that push that there's someone nipping at their heels, right? So yeah, I don't think you need to focus on them, but I think it's the author Jim Collins said is either good to great or great by choice. You need that productive paranoia. That's oh, what competition sure. does. Yeah. It's like, not necessarily, I'm not worried about them, but I want to push myself because I don't want to get surpassed, right? Yeah. So that's what the competition does for you. But I'm not going to 
bother myself trying to reverse engineer what they're doing because ultimately what works for them might not work for you. I think, you know, the great thing about renewable energy is there's so much innovation happening. There are big companies and small companies going out of business, even with this IRA being passed and how much solar has to be deployed, there'll still be so many companies that will disappear. And it's the ones that are nimble, the ones that are continuously reinventing themselves and agile and adding value to their customers are the ones that are going to still be around. I think you started the last podcast that way when you yes. talking about, I gave someone advice recently and said, you got to be nimble. Yeah, full circle. And this has been an amazing podcast interview. I really appreciate Nate sharing his three predictions for 2023 and beyond for specifically solar and renewable energy. Nate's the head of business development, part of the executive team of Enterflow and also the owner of Giovanelli LLC. He also has a great podcast called Limitless, which is on Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram. Is there anything else, any parting word that you would like to say? As always, love being here. Go Giants. Go Giants. And thank you again to our listeners who we call Mavericks for listening to the Solar Maverick podcast. And it's brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. And I know I forgot to say, let's get into it. I know a lot of people like how I do that, but I forgot actually these two past interviews. But thank you for listening. This podcast and the Limitless podcast is adding value to you, please provide a five-star review and thank you for making time and listening to a near busy schedule. Have a great day. And of course, go Giants. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U-Energy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown.